Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing the 9th of November 2020. Right, this is Lockdown Central again, so we're going to work hard at keeping a load of guests turning over this time round. Today's chat is Ben and Webby and myself again, because there's only three of us in the office and we're being, you know, interjected with telephone calls every now and again, so hopefully it'll be nice and fluid. We shall see how that turns out. I'm going to talk prices first of feed wheat. What we are paying is 183x for November and we will pay £1 a month for the carry going onwards. Now, it's the first time we've put a carry in the market for a while. We're not really fussed about buying November wheat, to be perfectly honest, because we've got plenty of it. And we will actually be putting a little bit of it that we can't carry into the December into our future store because there is still a slight premium paid for November futures. And having paid for storage regardless, uh, the empty space, I will be shoving some in store in the vain hope that maybe some of it sits there and doesn't get moved. I will add that futures are already moving from the people that have uh, purchased them so the liquidity in the market that's been supplied by futures won't last very long if they keep collecting it and therefore it will come back down to when farmers are prepared to sell their wheat i do think there's a lot of wheat traded in november for merchants from farmers and i do believe all of those contracts will be below contract price at the moment therefore it's in the interest of every merchant to make sure they move those contracts in time and farmers are acutely aware of that so i do think there's a lot of grain physically moving this month no export it's all going to go internally and uh, yeah it could be interesting in two or three weeks time if you get someone with a very cheap contract playing up a bit you'll see some merchants trying harder to move it so november might have a bit of negative pressure on it uh, December will be slightly different to that because no one likes to sell December because everyone likes to take the whole of the month off or so it seems or they like to say well we're closed well lucky old farmers can close everybody else can't so there is a period in uh, the Christmas period where it is quite hard to get your hands on wheat and last year or the last couple of years a premium has been paid in my lifetime that is a change in attitude from farm historically people would be happy to load pretty well all the way through there was always men about uh, nowadays people actually physically close their businesses down and uh, if you think about it that's a, a luxury that only a few can actually afford moving on from there good to see a carry in the market again on wheat feed barley yep nice and buoyant as um, the boat market has fallen away a little bit but enough trade was done for the market to remain buoyant so 140x farm is still the price of feed barley that is a great price to be trading grain or barley at uh, relative to where it was before it is still a massive discount 43 pound discount to feed wheat and we're very aware of that but we don't see that gap changing we don't see that going in it might even go out because there is too much barley we think overall so moving on to oilseed rape, well, that has been a really hairy week on that one. There's been a very dramatic rally in European rape prices in the last 48, 72 hours. So we've gone suddenly, we can achieve the golden price of 350 at this moment in time, X store or X farm for January. So 
Well, one or two people have set that as their target, have said, right, OK, we'll do it, bearing in mind how low it was last week. So great to see some buoyancy in that marketplace. OK, underlyingly, it's soybeans and soya oil. We think it's a South American oil story and palm oil, which is in the mix. So somewhere in uh, those markets being bullish and the La Nina weather pattern could well push that market up higher. But we've been aiming at 350. Here it is. Some of you need to do some of it. Take some of the risk off the table. Uh, with that, it's nice to see the sun shining. I think this is going to have an impact on the number of acres that go in the ground it will increase the size of the crop next year it certainly needs in this part of the world to be very dry to get some of these uh, potatoes and sugar beet out the ground giving the ground half a chance to recover to give us a good crop for next year so fingers crossed two weeks dry weather and uh, everyone should be a little bit more optimistic might just impact prices as the winter goes on but underlyingly we'll all feel better if there's lots lots more grain out there certainly it's uh, good news for any grain trader isn't it let's face it it means we've got a job next year with that thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours the dewing grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news data analysis and insights into the market giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions a commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what dewing grain are looking to buy and at what price search dewing grain on the app store or google play to download and with all of these features in your pocket you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at And now it's time for Farm Chat. Today, you appreciate with lockdown now, we've got colleagues who are going to be working from home and therefore the office is thinly manned. And we're. Oh, can I jump in there? Oh, I've got Ben with me. Yeah, hello. Hmm. I'd just like to say that actually out of all the grain merchants in the UK, our office has been the best staffed. Yeah, obviously, is that quality of staff? And quality <laughs> and quantity. Wait? I thought you were going to say thinly manned. I thought that was going to be an offensive comment against me there, Ben. I was about to say, we've got the heaviest grain trader in manned. <laughs> so you've got us three. Josh is doing customer service delivery of seeds to a suddenly dry field. And therefore, we're going to be interrupted periodically by the phone ringing. There you go. So it's going to be down to the editing skills as we pick up the phone intermittently amongst our conversation and try and keep it flowing. So what we're going to talk about today, we try to be topical, we try to be relevant at all times to the biggest influences in the market. And you also have to bear in mind, going ahead, we think we will be bringing guests back onto this again, because we believe with our microphones that can be you know six meters apart if we disinfect everything we believe we can continue providing our podcast with guests because i think you're going to go nuts just talking to us a lot all the time would you yeah we, we need guests we do badly <laughs> anyway so with that uh, hopefully the phone won't ring for a minute i want to kick off with donald trump he's won stop the count keep counting yeah At this moment, we don't know the result of the election. It looks very likely that Mr Biden is going to win it in the old-fashioned sense of winning it by counting every vote. Do you think he's going to pull off being a stay in the White House? Yeah, Trump's going to keep being a dick. And then I think there is this dreadful rumour going around that he might try and run again in 2024. Ian, that's uh, slightly... He's, He's quite entertaining. I will miss him, I think. I yeah. think there is a humour element 
I would really like it. We saw there's quite a funny WhatsApp thing went out with, what's it? Bye bye Biden, Biden. for resident. Yeah, oh. Biden for resident was quite entertaining as well. I would like to sort of almost hear the end of him, but I don't think we will. Well, look, if you're a parent, anybody who has a child would think, what are the traits I'd least like to have in my children? And one of them is bad loser. Yeah. Another one is lying all the time. Uh, you, you name it. There's nothing. The only thing he's got going in spades is self-confidence. Yeah. You know, in every respect, be it approaching women or he is just an outrageously overconfident man. But every other trait in that man is everything you try and train your kids not to be. And he's president. And the point is <laughs> the disruption to other people's lives, the no conscience whatsoever. You know, the, the riots, the deaths that will occur when Biden is declared president, that, you know, the crazy gang who believe every, is every word are going to do some outrageous things. We're predicting this ahead of some terrible headlines. Yeah, yeah, and, and actually that will be dreadful and not how it should go. No, we, we are, you know, schoolboy humour is one thing, and it is some of his stuff is funny. It's like the tweets you send around, humorous tweets, which are kind of unkind but helps you deal with some things and makes you laugh. Yeah. So he's appealing to a younger voter with that, but in reality... You know, it's like, I don't know, the chairman of any major corporate organisation. If he misbehaved like that, generally, it would be funny, but it wouldn't give confidence to the shareholders. It wouldn't make them feel great about how that business was run. And he really is a terrible person. Yeah. In the context of running a country, having a conscience, making money. Because word has it, you know, with his equity in property all over the world, what's happening to property prices? Well, what's happening to his hotel complexes? Or his golf courses. It'd be like Robert Maxwell, who allegedly had millions and millions and millions. Oh, yeah. And he was a complete and utter, you know, pyramid, wasn't it? It was like there's nothing in reality there, just all bluff and lawyers. Yeah. Who yeah. didn't get paid in the end. That's true. Oh, the other bit of news we should talk about is, we don't know if it's true, but Putin might have Parkinson's. Yeah, which is a bit of a heavy piece of... Is that fake news, Ben? Well, I don't know. You got it from the Daily Mirror. The oh. Mirror. Ah, it's bound to be right. Not then. that I'd. Sorry, can I just say I'm not a Mirror reader. Oh. It flashed up on a news circular for Mirror readers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't the Daily Star then. <laughs> no point is right. So that being the case, there's been an announcement that he's going to stand down within weeks because there's a potential that he's got Parkinson's, which is a terrible disease and that's hideously awful. But what are the implications of that one? Well, you lose an Iron Man, don't you? There's more headlines coming through, not just the Mirror, but also Daily Mail and the Sun. Oh, so you're link, you linked into down. the news feed on the Sun and the Daily Mail. Yeah. How cultured. I know, thank you. I try to be. So... This is ironic, because I remember that you, Joe, and I had a chat oh, a few months ago talking about the weird dynamic of powerful politicians, Bolsonaro, Putin and Trump, mm -hmm. and now we're, we're seeing all change, potentially. What's happened to Bolsonaro? I well, think he'll keep going, but he's just going to burn his whole country to nothing, isn't he? Well, uh, you know, the lungs of the planet, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, great. OK, we can plant trees in the UK and have them ripped down in the Amazon. It comes to the same result, doesn't it, in the end? Well, no, net, we're probably worse off because we'll never be able to plant as much trees as the yeah, Amazon. True. That's what's been going on, though. Replacement forests in the UK, replacement food comes from South America for the same equivalent area of land. Yeah. So, in the end, mankind is screwed. I, I, went, to see, I went to see Glenn at <laughs> On Cali. a happy note. Uh, yeah, great. He managed on the airgrain site and... Uh, 
we had a, a very deep discussion the other day about how, you know, it's a bit like a John Lennon song, imagine there's no country, but he, he said they should be just, forget the European Union, forget the United States of America, it should just be the world, and every country within the world has to stick to a certain set of rules. The rules are, you know, there's certain things you absolutely cannot do, and there's certain things you have to aim at ecologically, and if you don't, everyone else has to shun you. What do you think about that one for a plan? World War Three? <laughs> yeah, isn't that what's happening now? People getting shunned. Disunited States of America, do you think they'll break up? No, they won't break up, will they? No. They're too proud of their own uh, USA. No, no, and I think, I mean, I guess the other thing we should cover also is the ongoing EU negotiations. Other than the sun and the mirror, Putin, let's go through him first. Other than the sun and the mirror, two very upstanding publications. I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but... Has the BBC come out yet? The <coughs> no, the BBC hasn't. And let's be blunt, the BBC won't, because they'll really want it set out. But it is trending. So anyway, we'll leave okay. it at that. Well, if that being the case, who takes over from Putin? That's got to be the biggest That will be the thing. biggest thing. There's no obvious contender to the outside world, is there? Oh, hang on. Here I've, he just, I've just Googled it. The Daily Mail have chipped in as well, Ben. Excellent. January, apparently. But that's Andrew's made a good point. Who do we know in Russia who could be another leader? No one knows anyone else, do they? Olga Corbett. She was Russian. Who? Olga Corbett. Who's she? Oh, oh, this is breathtaking. Olga Corbett. Oh, my goodness. Hang on, Webby, do you know that? Oh, Absolutely no idea. Never heard of I'm, I'm really sorry, everybody who yeah, who's over, over the age of 12 who doesn't know who Olga Corbett is. Look it up, gents, in your own time. All right, well, she can't be president. Who else is there? Can we go into that? Who is Olga Corbett, then? As long as you don't perv over the pictures. Oh, oh really? OK. OK, Webby's now excited. Well, did she do some topless streak somewhere, no. Andrew? No, 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 no. Don't embarrass yourself with lack of knowledge, gents. You should really know about Olga Corbett. OK. Is she related to Jeremy? That's Corbyn. Oh. But she was a bit of a communist. <laughs> Anyway, taken away by that lack of knowledge. Have you heard of Ian Spink? Spycatcher? What? No. He's on an advert now for contact lenses. I can't remember what his first name is now. Spinks. He won seven gold medals. I couldn't see one. the advert. Can I just say, I'd Wikipedia, Andrew, so an Olympian in 1972 and 1976. Yeah, so we weren't born so, yeah, then. Yeah, I wasn't born then. Neither was I. Have you heard of Emil Zetapek? No. Have you heard of Roger Bannister? Yes. Right. So why have you heard of Roger Bannister and not because of Zatopek? Yeah, British culture. We've all I'm seen sorry, yeah, Chariots of Fire and yeah. What's this? Pop Great quiz film. of bizarre sports stars we don't know. Right, no. London Olympics, straight after the war. Zatopek. I'm so sorry, everybody who's got half a brain cell. I don't think anyone cares. They do. It's important. <laughs> right, OK. We'll, we'll move on. But you've got some history lessons to learn. He used to run. This crowd used to shout his name. Anyway, right, we'll move on. So, Russian presidents of the future. Yeah, Russian presidents of the future. I can see tumbleweed blowing. There is that guy who was Prime Minister. I can't even remember his name. What's the Chelsea uh, football club's owner's name? Abramovich. Abramovich. Isn't surely his uh, successor is almost going to be sort of blooded and led in by Putin. It's not going to be someone that's... Oh, you'd be one of Putin's... Yeah, very, very close allies, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, that's interesting. I mean, let's see what happens there, because he's obviously... Interesting. It's like 
the leader of the country that is influencing internet opinion and you know World jamming politics. and doing all as many disruptive things as they possibly can there was recently a big UK exercise in the North Sea for the Navy and the Air Force to go. Yeah, and the, the old jets. Ruskies were a little bit, but they didn't get out quick enough by all accounts. They, they kind of, they, they caught them on the hop. Uh, the minute you start doing an exercise in the North Sea, instantly the Russians send a, a few warships out there just to hang around a bit, do a bit of like, you know. Well, that's like, good. Go on in, go on in, go on in. Target practice Go then. on in. Yeah, right. But the point is, that is the country we could easily have some form of scrap with, is it not? Yeah. So it's critical who's in charge next. But no, no, I disagree. You say it's critical, but as Webby said, it'll just be another one of Putin's puppets with the same agenda. You don't know that. Has he got anyone that he trusts that closely? Oh, of course he has. Olga Corbett, mate. Right, so. Influence, what's the new person's attitude to the incredibly high flower prices in Russia? Will it be the same as Putin's? Will he just go, right, instantly walk in, I'm dropping all exports? Could do, couldn't they? Could do. Do you think it'd be a woman, Olga? <laughs> but to be fair, though, Putin's—he's um, had his moments. I remember when he gave seventeen quid to the grain trade in two thousand twelve. Putin Day. We still call it Putin Day in the grain oh, trade. What, when, when he banned everything and you admitting to being born then. You know, you remember that bit. Yeah, of course you remember that bit. Okay. Well, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. He bans export. He he lets exports back in again, and the market reacts to it after he's mm. taken a hefty long or short position on the futures, <laughs> probably. Certainly I would if I was in his family. Thanks, Uncle Vladimir. <laughs> I'll go 50,000 lots short of that one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a big influence. It's, a, it's an issue. And, ha- and will whoever's left, whoever comes in, be as strong-armed as he is? It's not going to be easy. That There's not a, a happy bunch of countries around the outside, is there? That's that's a big one. That is, that's a big. Yeah, one. that is a big one. It is a big one, and and you know, and ultimately, okay, new leader in Russia and new leader in America. And the new leader in America is nice and steady, but he's old. He yeah. ain't gonna last, and he's got a very very divided country now, and it genuinely is fifty fifty split, isn't it? Yeah. 51, but the one thing in Biden's favour is he has been in politics for forty years. He knows all the Republicans. And Zatopek. <laughs> he probably knows those obscure sports stars that Andrew's talking about. Oh, God, no, here we go. But as, as you did say this morning, Ben, in our conversation, Biden is, is acting far more presidential than Trump is. He's acting like a petulant child, whereas Biden's quite calm, collected, kind of... Yeah. There's a level of decency in what he's doing. Yeah. Which is kind of maybe bring some sort of form back to the state. I think that the struggle that Biden's got is, as Andrew said, healing a divided nation. Well, normality, gracious in victory or gracious in defeat, all of the traits you tried to give your child as we start this, this mm-hmm. podcast. But the problem for him is the brick that Trump has thrown in the water has actually in lots of ways been useful because there is a, a political elite, just the same as a whole lot of professional politicians who are going to Westminster for you guys at the moment, and they've got no interest really in, in anybody. There's one or two of them are, are very, very passionately led, but ultimately mm. they went to school to study to be a politician and hope to get prime minister if they can keep their sheet clean. And, and there's no passion, there's no desire to really help other people. It is a political class that has control in both countries. And he, Trump, absolutely smashed them. Yeah. 
and the economy in the country had lots of benefits. He actually stood up to China. Now, Biden can continue that, but to actually start that ball rolling in a gentle manner would have created as much of a ruction as Trump's smack you in the face, here you go, you know, we're not going to have your product. And I think in the long run, actually, that was needed. And I don't think it would have happened with the normal political, you know, pace and attitude. No, very true. And Obama, for all of his wonderfulness, didn't act in Syria. Trump, would he have acted differently in that time period? Yeah, he would have done. And he did, to be fair. Well, those chemical weapons were launched, weren't they? And Trump immediately, uh, I think Ivanka bizarrely showed him photos of these poor children with chlorine gas and... Trump sent the jets over and they bombed it. And that really annoyed Putin. Uh, And you're right, Obama would have waited for a UN convention or something. So, political elite, decisiveness in a divided world. Uh, Every now and again, you do need to have a big brother, don't you? You do need to have some strength behind your argument. I mean, what's if right now, I'm going to be really... Just imagine China invaded Taiwan. What would the world do? The America in the state it's in at this point, what would the world do? Nothing. Right, so why don't they just walk in the door and do it? I think they're waiting to do it. Okay, so what would you do if you were China prior to that? Stuff your stores full of grain? Yep. Oh, there we go. See, we should be working for the mirror, shouldn't we? <laughs> Sorry, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but going back to the Putin side of things, what about if the um, the ruble tanks on the back of um, this news? You know, well, if the, the ruble is ru- not traded internationally, though, is it? Are they trading, so is wheat trading dollars? That's my question. You know, are there Black Sea tenders tendered in, you know, does all of a sudden Black Sea become really cheap? And it's like, oh, shit, everyone finds Russian origin cheap. Then that's a likely no, export ban. in dollars. How do they prevent people but coming into Russia for very cheap wheat? The, the ruble could tank, but they don't price international wheat in ruble. No, and you can't trade no, the no, ruble into No, but they do convert the dollars into rubles for the people who have to be paid in rubles. So if all of a sudden one dollar is worth a whole load more rubles, yeah. the price of grain stays exactly the same, but the, the farmer over there is receiving 200 more rubles. It's, they well, they it's get more money. Isn't it? They don't, because yeah, no, 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 everything will go up in price. Yeah, in, their con- in the end, whatever currency it's traded in, it still relates back to the oik sitting on a tractor going... That's not enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, I'll take that point, but I don't fully believe it. No, no, if no, I'm not going to let you off that. If a guy sells in pounds and the stuff is traded in dollars, right, you'll know better than anybody else. So you can get $10 for something. So you sell $10 worth of whatever it is, and at the time you planned to do it, in order to buy $10, you had to pay £5. Hang on, I'm going to stop you there. Sterling is traded internationally, so that's fine. But you cannot buy rubles on an international market. I get your point of, oh, tractor driver let's, paid in... Let's try this another way around, all right? Paid so, in rubles. So the man in Russia wants to walk down the road and buy some sweets. Yeah. So hang on, from the scenario we are just talking about... Principally, the only person then who's making the money in that scenario is going to be the grain merchant, isn't it? Yeah. In a Russia. phenomenal amount of money if it tanks. But the grain merchant will have other people going, cool, blimey, we're making lots of money here. Let's pay that farmer an extra ruble because we've got a bit of fat here now. Here, mate, I'll give you 11 rubles, not 10 rubles. Yeah. Because it's worth more. So the man 
who's sold it for 11 rubles, not 10 rubles, can go and buy a bag of sweets and have an extra little bit of sweeties. For a short period of time, and then inflation will kick in and all prices will go up. And then his extra ruble will... Yeah, 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 yeah. you're talking about... Absolutely. Inflation kicks in. But the point is, initially, the immediate reaction in grain markets is very cheap black sea wheat. And so they'll go, oh, that's a good price. Bang, they'll sell two, three, four, five, six, ten, twenty cargoes. And there it is. They've just undercut the rest of the world for that period of time. That's how it works. Long, long term, you're absolutely right. It won't be it'll get back to square one. Yeah. But there could be a couple of months. So will Russians, if there's a very clear replacement for Putin, it won't be much of an issue. But I think he's been such a autocratic leader, there isn't one. And I think that is going to create some lack of certainty in that area. Agreed, yep. So we've got Russia, we've got China, who we've decided they're going to go and invade Taiwan yep. and claim the South China Sea, which we've already done. Heard it here first. And they're falling out with countries around the world, you know, like Australia and what have you, because they're calling them out on things and the Chinese don't like that. And then you have the disunited States of America, mm-hmm. who are in an utter muddle. And luckily, we're really stable over here, aren't we? Apart from Brexit. And Mr. Barnier walked out of the talks last night and said, we're ready for no deal. <laughs> this is depressing, isn't it? <clears throat> okay. Should we talk about Zatopec? No, let's have some happier news. Obviously, the weather's looking good for the next two weeks. Yeah, that's why Josh is out delivering seed again, isn't it? Yeah. So the wheat crop in the UK is going up. Yep. And is it going to be a 15 million tonne wheat crop? I'm not convinced. No, it won't be. No. All right. Is it going to be a 14 million tonne wheat crop? Oh, Ian says yes. I say Ian? yes. Okay, I'm I think no, it won't be 14, I don't think. I'm going 13. Yeah, I think it will be over 13, under 14. I mean, we all know about all the uh, spring barleys that got drilled last year because of the rains, but there's a lot of spring barley land on non-traditional barley land, South Norfolk, so okay, I know it's parochial, but is going to be wheat. I don't think it'll be anywhere near the spring barley in the ground this year. Okay. I agree with that. I also think people will plant spring wheat because okay. spring wheat yielded the same as spring barley, but the price of wheat is already... It's a big premium to barley. What's the point in taking the risk? Yeah. So I think barley's going to struggle, but malting barley in particular is going to struggle. But, you know, the maltsters here say that every single year. But I do think that is going to be a very interesting market. And let's just hope COVID is gone so we can drink lots of beer and it becomes incredibly tight. Because a, a volatile malting barley market it gives us more of a chance of making money than anything else, doesn't it, selfishly? Yeah. But 13 million tonne wheat crop, Webby says 14, you're agreeing somewhere 13, 14. Mm. No carryover like last year. We're tight next year. Yes, we're still tight. And we have potential of incredible volatility in currencies. So, you know, sensible, wise advice, in my opinion, is obviously if you're looking at making a profit out of wheat, the price of it is 150 in round figures, November for feed wheat. Is that a sell at this point? Ooh, hmm. No, I still... I mean, the, the thing we haven't mentioned is La Nina. I think that's the biggest contributor to uh, grain prices in the new crop globally. Yeah. I, just not, I, I don't think new crops are sell. I think there's... You know, chuck in a small weather scare somewhere across the globe, you know, we'll smash through these old crop levels... I appreciate it's a long way to go, but it, it, long, the, perf- the perfect long- storm, the perfect <laughs> global storms brewing on stock use ratios. It's a gamble. It might have an impact that's not what you're expecting. 
I think the weather in the world is in a place where it's definitely changed markedly. Yeah. I mean, we've got places that are very close to flooding again that flooded last year in the UK, which is going to eat into this yield. The other thing is the yield in the UK is already undermined by the conditions it's gone into the ground. We've still got bucket loads of spuds out there. It might be dry for two weeks, but that land is soaking wet. And the sugar beets out there still, that, you know, what is going to happen to that land? All right, it might go spring barley, it might go spring wheat. But it is in a very, very poor condition and people are muddling it in in very compacted, big ruts. That ain't going to yield four tonnes an acre, is it? No. no I, I think it's too risky to sell it and I think it's kind of too risky not to sell it. <laughs> Completely lost. Any merchant is giving a very clear advice is flipping a coin. I think your downside is limited for quite a long period of time. And the autumn might be kind, the winter might be generous, but if La Nina kicks in, which won't really mean anything until Feb, March, April, you could make a decision based on the next five months of weather. If La Nina does kick in, then what weather pattern does that give us around the world? Yeah, it already is kicking in, though, isn't it? That's where the wet weather's come from Oz, you know, because it chucks wet weather into Australia. Right. I'm not sure about China, actually. And it brings dry to South America and the kind of southern plains, hence why... Issues with soybeans and corn, Argentina, Brazil, and also it's why the US wheat crop is only 40% good to excellent, which is down, was it 20 odd points on what it was this time last year? And it's going to continue all the way through the winter. I mean, look at the, um, it's a bit sad, my favourite website at the moment, the World Ag Weather. You know, it's pretty good, it's pretty dry. That's amazing, Webby, your favourite website. Aren't you also on a combine harvester website i'd like to dispute the favorite website (laughs) it's my favorite but not my most hit website (laughs) and also is is that's the only website you can look at at work (laughs) indeed right we've gone into some very very incredibly high level politics which we have no idea of the well i'm just going to throw something in while we're talking about la nina and you did touch on it but australia is about to potentially have this ginormous wheat crop mm-hmm. and it can't all go to China and Asia. So where will it go? Well, that's the thing. North right? Africa. North Africa, Europe. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, this is one of my favourite stories, when I joined the grain trade in 2001 and in 2002 we exported our first UK wheat cargoes to Australia and I remember that. Yeah, I can remember that. Because I was working for Souffle when we did the deal. Mm-hmm. Very good. Did you think that was a normal thing then, I suppose? No, no, no. I mean, I, I understood how incredible it was sending feed wheat from the UK to Australia. That was, And that was because the Australians had had a tiny crop, but they didn't want to lose their export market, so they kept exporting the milling wheat to Asia and bought in the feed wheat. And the only place they trusted to buy feed wheat was the UK. Okay. Was that following a La Nina or an El Nino? That was an El Nino. El Nino is, is dry in Oz. It's the other way around. La Nina, El Nino. Okay, so that what that means is that... Oh, Carol Kirkwood in the corner there. There's going to be a big Aussie crop next year then. Oh, well, there, yeah, there'll be residual moisture in the soil. Yeah, should be. Okay. El, El Nino's generally... Okay, that was bullish that year because of the Australian story, but El Nino's generally bring wet weather to the States and big US <laughs> crops. Anyway, with that, I think we've run on long enough. 
I think the gist of what we've just talked about is an incredibly complex market with some major, major moves ahead. If this was yeah. a game of chess, this is not the pawns moving. This is the queen. This is the moment when the, the, the strike is going to happen. So we've got absolutely no idea of the outcome of all of those things. And neither of you and neither is anybody else. And therefore, you have to look at what you need to do. If I could achieve my budget for next year now... I would trade the whole book and be done. And the difference between me and a farmer is they're not doing that. They're not, they don't know their yield is going to be good or bad. I accept that. And mm. they don't know what the weather's going to do to them. But probability says if the stuff's in the ground and it's in reasonable condition, it's going to yield X and X, if that represents the profit that they're budgeting, that's the bit that we cannot make that judgment for you. But rest assured, anyone who doesn't trade some of their tonnage on those prices, if it works, is a gambler. So let's be clear about that. What we're talking about is the volatility, the gambling in the marketplace is incredibly complex and it could go either way. And our job is to jump in or jump out, depending on what the position is and which way the market's moving. But for a farmer... Please don't take our flippancy for foolishness. We're trying to give you the central message. There are lots of ingredients and it can go in either direction. There is no guarantee this market goes up. And just be cautious as the winter goes on. And bear in the back of your mind that La Nina weather pattern probably will give support to the market later. That's our underlying view. If we get that wrong and you listen to our every word... It's going to cost you money, and I'm very conscious of that. So I'm trying to give you responsibility to do the trade that you should do. Anyway, with that very sobering end to a slightly immature conversation, Ben, thanks for that. Thank you. And Webmeister, thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released, and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.